take us back to where we've been now here for the last few weeks talking about the idea of bold crossings in our life. And we frame that by saying all of us will come up against raging rivers or obstacles that will keep us away from where God wants us to go if we allow them to. But God has given us in his word principles to follow that will give us the courage to boldly go across those obstacles. And so we've been looking at that for a few weeks. And today we're going to talk about the crossing and how important it is to finish what God starts. In other words, as we go across those obstacles and we move forward, there's a tendency we have to not complete or finish the journey. It's true, it was true in regard to the nation of Israel, and it is true in our lives how we oftentimes get a good start and we just simply don't follow through. That happens in marriage, it happens in parenting, it happens at work, it happens in nations, in countries, in relationships, in friendships. You've got to continue to work and press through the difficult moments in order to finish what you've started. And so today we're going to talk about always finish what God starts. Now, history is filled with a lot of examples of people who didn't finish what they started and, and stopped, so to speak, at the one-yard line, not quite in the end zone. Uh, the, the Bible is filled with personalities, people who did exactly that same thing. King Saul, who preceded David, the psalmist, got a good start, but he did not follow through uh, asking God to help him through the difficult moments, and he took his eyes off of God, and he, it led to his demise. Now, I, I've got to say this. Would everybody just lock in for a moment? It is really important, I think, in a biblical light, in a scriptural light, and it's really important to me in my values to know that when you come to worship, that you have an opportunity to hear something that has the potential to pick you up, to inspire you, to encourage you. I think church for far too long has been represented more by put-down moments than pick-up moments. And, and today has the potential, if you let it, to sound like a put-down moment. But would everybody take this to heart today? I, I believe together today we can learn something through the failure of the children, the chosen children of God, the children of Israel, and in a very real way, I don't know if you've ever made this connection before, but God chose Israel not because they were better than anyone else or more numerous uh, than anyone else, smarter, better looking, none of those things. God chose them because he wanted to do a work in them that would leave people with no other conclusion except that they could look and say, look what God has done with those people. And, and really, sometimes we get to feel a little bit <laughs> haughty in some of the things that maybe God has allowed us to avoid in our life, some of the downfalls, and we get a little prideful. But the truth is, God has chosen us, and in a very real way, 
If you're here today as a, a follower of Jesus, God chose you too. And I'm not going to get sidetracked with the theological discussion of Calvinism and the issue of irresistible grace and how God chooses some over others. I, I have found great peace in knowing that as I read scripture, the Bible says, whosoever will may come. Anybody that can come to Jesus. But God in his foreknowledge does know what we will do with his truth. And in a very real way, we become chosen by God. And that's a cool idea that God has chosen you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he has something planned for your life that's incredible. He has started a work. The book of Philippians put it this way. Paul, speaking to those believers, he said, he, God, will perform. He will complete the work that he began in you. And so God will complete the work in our lives. But there is a part we have in that work. And, and I think it's going to become incredibly clear today, but I don't want you to see this as a put down. And this may cause you to look inward and examine yourself. And there may be a moment where you feel broken. But hear my heart, that is not intended to put you down. That is intended to allow you to hear what God has to say so that he can pick you up. So can we agree to that today? This is not one of those messages that, that is designed to put you down. It is designed to pick you up. That, that God has something better for you than you can possibly imagine. And he will never give up on you. He will complete it. But you and I do have a part, not in our salvation, that was completed in the work of Jesus on the cross. But we have a part in what our relationship with Jesus will look like. We have a part very similar to what the children of Israel, God's chosen people, had in regards to their ongoing success and the relationship they would have with God. And so today I'm going to talk about how important it is to finish what God has started. Now, Joshua 5 introduces to us a a really sobering thought that there is a tendency we have sometimes to not follow through. I, I was doing a lot of reading. I got kind of sidetracked with some reading about stories of people who stopped a little bit too soon. I read a story. I won't give you all the, the details, but a man from the East, the great gold rush in Colorado and he made his way to the mountains and he bought a claim and bought his pick and shovel and he began to, to mine ore and he was immediately successful. Uh, he was blessed. There, there was gold. He had a good solid vein. And for about a year, he accumulated wealth and then the gold ran out. And without being discouraged because he had been so successful, he just kept pressing on. But one year turned into two and two into three and ultimately he became discouraged. He was running out of money from his previous uh, discovery. And one day he just threw up his hands and said, I, I quit. And he sold the claim to another person. While he was gathering his things, preparing to leave with what little he had left to go back east, the man who had bought it continued to dig exactly where he had been digging. And sure enough, within three days, he hit the mother load 
And he was rich beyond his imagination. And I, I, I read that story and it, it's tragically humorous. The fact that there are people who stop just a little bit too short. That's why the book of Galatians tells us that we're not supposed to grow weary in well-doing, but in due season, in God's time, we will reap, some of you know this, if we what? Faint not. Don't, don't quit. Don't give up. And I think there are people who've come today and in relationships, possibly your marriage, maybe at work, maybe with a neighbor that, that's been a real irritant to you, and, and you just sometimes think, I'm, I'm going to give up, I'm going to stop praying for them, I'm going to stop trying to win them over. And, and, you know, God may have put them there just to be the thorn in your flesh that you need to keep you humble. But, but the truth is, we can't give up on anyone. For God so loved the, the world, he loves everyone. And he won't give up on us. And don't you think we should at least hope for and pray for the same kind of grace for others that we have experienced in receiving God's grace ourselves? I'm amazed sometimes how we, we want grace, God's grace, his forgiveness. We know we've messed up, but we're not quite as liberal with giving that grace to someone else. And so today I, I'm going to give you some lessons from this chapter 5, and we're going to jump around a little bit today that are going to help us understand the importance of finishing what God starts. Now, we got to go back to fully understand what God had started. And so we're going to go back to the book of Exodus, because as we well know, those of you who've been with me here for the past few weeks, the children of Israel crossing the Jordan River, the truth is, that story has a backstory, And it goes all the way back to when they were slaves in Egypt. And God set them free. And God said, here's the promised land, it's yours. And they refused to go in. They did not have the faith to finish what God had started. And so for 40 years, an entire generation passed away, died in the wilderness. Now it's time to go in. And God wants to do something incredible. And I I thought maybe it'd be really cool to get a little snapshot of just what it was God had given them. Uh, When you buy a piece of property, there's a survey done, and the title work goes back and makes sure that there's nothing, uh, no liens against the property. There's nobody else claiming to own that property. And and so, you know, to make sure it's on the up and up, you, you have a search, title search, and you get a report from a title company, and you have title insurance that claim that virtually insures you in case somebody ever comes along and makes a claim on the property. It's smart to do. It's smart to have a survey, to have your boundaries. And maybe you're sitting here today and you've read some of this stuff about from the Bible and you've heard me say before that God gave uh, a guaranteed title to some land in the Middle East for the nation of Israel. God promised that. And so this this next verse in in the book of Exodus chapter 23 actually gives you the survey work. This is the guarantee of what God says. If you'll do what I'm asking you to do, all this land is yours. And so here it is, Exodus 23, 31. And I will fix your boundaries from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the eastern wilderness to the Euphrates River. I will hand over to you the people now living in the land 
And this is really important, this last sentence. And you will drive them out ahead of you. Now, I know that some immediately go to a sense of, oh my, was that fair? And I, you know, I, we, we don't have time to really drill down on that today, but I can tell you this very briefly, that those, those people in the land were people that were, through worship of idols and through evil practices, were virtually destroying their cultures, their own children. These, there were, there, was a, there were a majority of these people involved in a practice in the ancient world that involved child sacrifice. They were literally putting their own children, I don't want to be overly graphic in this, but they were placed on a, a molten hot iron altar where they would be first filleted and then they would be killed. And their own children are being sacrificed. And God said, just drive these people out. You can't live with them. You can't compromise with them. You don't want their ways becoming your ways. And so God said, drive them out. Drive them out. He didn't say kill them all or destroy them. He said, just push them out of the land. You cannot cohabitate together. And so that, that, is, that, is, the, that is the boundaries. Those are the boundaries that God gave. Now, Sometimes, okay, cool, I, I know where the Mediterranean is, I, I know where the Red Sea is. Those, those boundaries haven't changed since then. They still remain. Uh, Euphrates River, we know what that is. We know where that is. Uh, but, but I thought it would be helpful today. I haven't done this ever before with a group. Uh, I thought, you know what would be cool? I, I'm going to give you a map of modern-day Israel superimposed on a map of the actual dimensions that God promised the children of Israel. And I'm going to have them throw that up there for you now because it's a stunning, a stunning view, the, the, the reality of what greater Israel was to be by the original dimensions. And so what, what you're going to see, the blue in area with the names of some of the, the modern nations that are existing, occupying those lands which God said, Title belongs to Israel. And then we're going to answer the next logical question. Why then is Israel not occupying all of that land? And so the, 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 let me just kind of give you a rough breakdown on this. If you look at this and you see the map, all, all of Lebanon, all of Jordan, those countries are within the boundaries of greater Israel according to God's definition of what they're land was to be. And if you, you look a little closer, you'll see that modern day Syria, about half of that, actually a little more than half of that, about half of modern day Iraq, a large percentage of modern day Saudi Arabia. And, and before you get too distracted with the boundaries of these other countries, and would it be fair if Israel took all that back now? Please keep in mind, these are arbitrary boundaries, modern-day boundaries that are a result of uh, the spoils of war, both, both World War I and World War II, and I don't want to get sidetracked. Somebody made the mistake this morning of asking me about the history of the boundaries for the last 3,000 years, and I told them in five minutes, and they walked away shaking their head and rolling their eyes. But, but the Ottoman Empire controlled all of that area for over 400 years. And it wasn't until World War I when what we see now, these modern Saudi Arabia, uh, Iraq, you know, 
those nations, their boundaries were drawn up as a result of the spoils of war. Had nothing to do with who rightfully owned it. To the winner belongs the spoils. And the Ottoman Empire was with Germany. They were defeated. Take your lunch, go home. Modern day Turkey, the former Ottoman Empire. And, and as a result, these things, we kind of look at it and, you know, you think, oh, Ed, this is too much information. I can't remember all this. You don't have to remember all this. Just know this one thing. God gave Israel a piece of dirt. And if they don't have it all, it's not because God didn't keep his promise. It's because they did not hold up to their end of the deal. And so I want to show you a couple things. Let's go to our next verse. Book of Numbers. All this background is going to help you understand the three lessons we're going to learn today. Okay, here's another verse. This is not in your notes, okay? But if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes. Ow! Splinters in your eyes. I have a friend, a dear friend, who lost his eyesight walking through a, a patch of of uh, woods with splinters and he took one in the eye. The man is blind, a dear friend of mine. He is blind to this day because of that accident. Thorns in your side. Wow, that sounds serious. They will harass you in the land where you live. Now, here's, the, we're not just telling a story now. This is not just a story about Israel, God's chosen people. These principles that we're going to look at, these three principles are the exact same principles that apply to your life because God has promised that you, as his chosen child, can conquer territory in your life. Enemies, the enemies of anger and pride. The enemy of lust. It goes on and on. All of us are battling things daily. And when Jesus saved us, he promised that we could overcome these things. But many of us have chosen to not finish what God started. Just like the children of Israel, he said, if you don't drive these things, these people and their practices out, they'll remain and they will harass you and they will be like splinters in your eye. They'll be like thorns in your side. And, and so my, my heart to you today is this. This is not a put down. This is a pickup. This, is, this really is a deeper spiritual insight that maybe you haven't weighed out in the past. Maybe no one's ever really put it out there like that for you before. But God has something better. He has this territory. He has mapped out for you. It's a life of freedom, a life of liberty, a life of not being a slave to sin. And so God says, you can conquer this stuff, but you can't quit fighting you got to keep pressing on. Don't stop three days before you hit the gold mine and the mother load. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to look at these three lessons from this story in chapter 5. You had to have the background, but here we go. These are, these are simple and short lessons. Number one, when God asks you to do something, this is good news. This is positive. When God asks you to do something, he always prepares the way. He will not ask you to do something that is not possible. If God asked you to have a pure mind, 
then it is possible to stop watching pornography, guys. I, I know some of you are sitting here going, oh, wow, I've tried. But it is possible because when God asks you to do something, he always prepares the way. See, some of us have given in to the enemy so long we make excuses, we compromise. The problem with the enemy, the enemy never stops. The enemy keeps going for more and more of us. But the good news is, when God asks you to do something, he always prepares the way. Uh, let, me, let me take you to the story in chapter 5. Let's look at God's word again. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 1 here. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. You see, God prepared a way for his chosen people by giving those people the Israelites favor with him and putting fear in the hearts of those that they were asked to drive from the land. And, and, and this is the way God always takes care of his people. He prepares a way before them. This, this news, this information of what God had done, the God of Israel, Jehovah God, how he had stopped the Jordan River. That doesn't happen every day during the flooding season. How God had caused the walls of Jericho to fall down and how that city-state was overwhelmed without a single arrow, without a single sword. God gave them the victory. It caused the other city-states to, to tremble. They, they couldn't lose. I was thinking of this uh, this week. I am a hopeless optimist and a lifelong Brown fan. I've admitted it, and, and I'm just going to tell you that's, that's all there is to it. When I was 11, they won the world championship. Jim Brown was the greatest football player in the world, and if you're a little bit younger than me, you can remember no time when the Browns were any better than a Sandlot team, okay? You just don't have a lot of good memories. But I was sitting here thinking, wouldn't that be cool if the Browns got that promise? You can't lose. Last year it was, you can't win. <laughs> That's the rules. But, but how cool. You have been given that promise. If you fail and stumble, and again, this is not a put down. This is a pickup. I, I want you to know you can't cop out and say, well, God just put more on me. It was just a hard, man, I was dealt a really bad hand. And, and you, you, this is not in your notes, but write down 1 Corinthians 13, 1. And it says, God, God has promised he will not put more on us. You've heard this before, paraphrase, than we can bear. But it goes on to say, he will give you a way of escape. In, in other words, you can't lose for two reasons. God will prepare a way for you and he will protect you. He's promised he will not put more on you than you can bear. The children of Israel had that promise. You and I have this promise. If we quit, it's because we took our eyes off Jesus and we went out on our own. We surrendered to the enemy. For us, the enemy is our flesh. 
And I want to plead with you today, because this is a super exciting, positive idea, that God wants to prepare and has prepared a way for every one of us here today in our relationships, in our marriage, in raising our kids, the toughest assignments we're going to have, the most difficult workload you'll ever imagine. God will give you strength to get through it if you'll rely on him. The enemies that are out there, they're real. I'm not minimizing, but they can't hurt you. You say, well, I lost my job or I lost. My health is not what it should be. God has promised to be there with you during that. There's nothing he doesn't know about and doesn't care about. And so that's, that's the first lesson. God prepares a way for us through his provisions and through his protection. That's the first lesson. Number two. Let's jump in here. Number two, when you don't finish what God starts, you're creating future problems. Now, I, I will be honest and tell you that sometimes when you bail from the battle, you receive a sense of short-term relief. And that's why, frankly, a lot of people do it. Stop the pain. I can't take it anymore. And so we bail in the midst of the battle. And that's really ultimately what Israel chose to do. And history records the very sad reality that Israel did not follow through on what God started. Uh, let's look at the next verse. It's, it's in your notes here, Joshua chapter 15. I had to jump ahead to a couple of chapters out of chapter 5 because you've got to see the consequences of their refusal to conquer all of the land. So here it is. But the tribe of Judah, that, if you recognize that, that's the tribe from which Jesus Christ was born from could not drive out the Jebusites who lived in the city of Jerusalem. And so the Jebusites lived there among the people of Judah to this day. They couldn't do it. And it always comes back to this. When you can't do something, it doesn't mean that God can't do it. It means keep trying, keep trusting, keep asking God. Because many times the journey... And the struggle is what brings us closer to him. And ultimately, God cares a whole lot more about our comfort, uh, excuse me, about our, our contact of our character and our relationship with him than he cares about our comfort. I'm not saying God doesn't care about your comfort. But he has an ultimate purpose. These trials cause us to be more in tune with who God is and to trust him greater. Truthfully, if we didn't have a trial or two along the way, we'd never realize how great God is. And so Judah ran into problems in driving the enemy out of the city of Jerusalem. Here it is now, thousands of years later, and the city of Jerusalem to this day is still a divided, divided city. I mean, we're fighting, it's right now, the world is fighting over that. You know, America putting their embassy in the city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, is causing a, a national stir and all kinds of chaos. And it all goes back to their failure to finish what God started. So here's the principle. Don't miss this. If you don't follow through on what God starts in your life, you're kicking the can down the road. You may get some immediate relief, but ultimately there will be future problems. It, it seems so simple. Possess the land. Drive out the enemies. Now, Jump ahead one chapter, Joshua chapter 16. Let me give you one more insight to this. In addition, some towns with their surrounding villages in the territory allocated to the half-tribe of Manasseh were set aside for the tribe of Ephraim. 
they did not drive the Canaanites out of Gezer. Okay, not Gezer. This is not a city of old Gezers, okay? However, so the people of Gezer live as slaves among the people of Ephraim to this day. Okay, here we go. Compromise. We're going to look at this in just one moment. But rather than drive them out, they said, you know, we, we can avoid a battle. They've surrendered. They've given up. God didn't say kill them all. God just said drive them out. When they surrendered, they should have been driven out. But they left them in as slaves. That's never a good idea to own another person. Tell me one time in history when that worked out okay. That, that, that does not work well. It didn't, didn't work well for the Roman Empire. Slaves rose up, tortured and abused people will ultimately one day say enough. How did it work out for our country? We paid in blood a civil war. It was evil from the beginning. We made a compromise and accepted it. It's never right. It never works out well. It did not work out well for Israel. So both the Jebusites and the Canaanites left in the land. The problems Israel experiences right now, frankly. And you're not, I don't want to get sidetracked with this. But just, just one simple thing. Our press does not report the whole story. You're not hearing the whole story. If, if, if an Israeli soldier shoots a Palestinian kid who's, who's thrown a rock and killed the soldier next to him, and, and the Israeli soldier shoots back and kills him, that's national news tonight. But did you realize since October of this last year to, to right now, there's been nearly one stabbing a day by a Palestinian on an Israeli citizen. Well over, well over 100 stabbings, then you add to that to the car. Now the car has become the new terrorism instrument, driving into a crowd of people, killing people. J just in the last few, few months, dozens of those. And we're not hearing about it. You say, well, why, why is that happening? Because they didn't do what God asked them to do. They didn't finish the job. They didn't complete what God started. And there will always be a part that is your part in the spiritual journey of faith. Jesus has died on the cross to save you from your sins. But God has given us a part of dying daily and sacrificing, Romans 12, 1 and 2, laying our body down on the altar of service. Being a good Christian is a life of, frankly, denial, denying self, defeating the enemy within. And that is so cool when you stop and think about it because we have been guaranteed victory if we just keep fighting. And I know some of you are a little, maybe a little battle-weary, a little tired, because it's been going on, but get up every day and fight it again. You messed up yesterday, get up today, it's a new day. God's mercies are new every single day. Number three, one last thought, last lesson. When you fail to finish what God starts, the world affects you. Something happens. There's a process. I mean, you don't wake up one day, you know, you, you're, you're trusting God to, to take care of you, you're going to church, and the next day you're sacrificing your kids on a hot molten altar. You, just, you don't get from here to there in one step. 
It's a sequential falling away from God. And when you fail to finish what God starts, you, if you're not going forward closer to God, you are going further away from Him. And you are willing to accept more and more compromise in your life. So failure to finish what God starts results in a kind of compromise. It slowly consumes you. It grows within you. It affects you. There are effects of long-term surrender. So the lesson from Israel is powerful. Now, in order to understand the real consequences, we've got to flash forward. Now, we've gone from Joshua. Now we're up to David. 3,000 years ago for us right now. But, but for the children of Israel, you've got to go through the period of Judges, 400 years, and, and you end up with David. And Israel is a mess because the, the Philistines, you got Goliath. You all heard of the story of, jo, of that giant? And, and the, the people of Israel, because the enemies are still there all around them. And, and they're constantly fighting them. And David will frankly spend his whole life fighting the enemy as a man of war. In fact, God doesn't even let him finish the temple because he has blood on his hands is what scripture says. And so his son Solomon finishes it. But here is the story that I do not want you to miss. That given enough time over a period of days, weeks, months, and years, you will compromise and do things that formerly you couldn't imagine that you would do. Failure to finish what God starts results in compromise. Let's go to the, to the psalmist. We flashed ahead. Hundreds of years now. And look at Psalms 106. Israel failed to destroy the nations in the land as the Lord had commanded them. It's a fact now. D David is looking back and going, here's what happened. Now here is the, the tragic story in the next three verses. Verse 35, 36, and 37. You see a, a point by point listing of the effects on the people. Here they are, very quickly. The mingling effect. Would you write that down if you're doing the notes with me today? The verse says, Instead, they mingled among the pagans and adopted their evil customs. Mingling is greatly different from living in the world. Mingling, you, you've, you've compromised to the point where you're living together with unbelievers without a recognition of the sin that's in their life and that sin becomes a part of your accepted behavior as well. We've got to be very careful in the world we live in. It's such a politically correct world. And I'm not saying you stand up. I, I had a cute moment when one of our kids was pretty young. We were at a bowling alley. And that's back in the dark ages when you could smoke in a bowling alley. And this guy in the lane right next to us is smoking. And the smoke's going. And one of our kids walked up to him and little bitty thing, about three and a half, and just pointed finger up at it and said, you're smoking, you're bad, you're going to hell. <laughs> and I, I thought, quick, quick, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and they kind of chuckled. But we, we live in the world, and over time we begin to not see the things that the Bible clearly says, thou shalt not. I mean, it's, it's frightening. It's frog in the kettle stuff, people. And I'm not saying we run and we... Listen, we need to be much more concerned about people coming to Jesus than we are about changing their behavior. In fact, I don't even think it's our job to tell them what they're doing is wrong. It's not our job to point our finger in their face. 
It is our job to love Jesus enough to live holy life so that when we pray and say, Jesus, there's somebody at work, they're a mess. Their whole lifestyle is crazy. Jesus, I love them. I know you love them. I'm praying for them. Help me to have an opportunity to tell them about your love. That's our mission. Our mission is not tell them where they're wrong. And for far too long, church became known as the place that told you where you were wrong. I believe God's called us to just love people just as they are, just like they are in the name of Jesus. But we cannot allow ourselves to mingle. That's kind of a cool word. It's one of those words that, I mean, it sounds like what it really is. You know, mingle, mingle, mingle. You become part of them, they become part of you. And that's the outcome of refusing to finish what God starts. There's another effect. Let let me give that to you. The the compromise effect. So there's mingling effect, the compromise effect. I've referred to it already. But but the scripture just continues, verse 35, verse 36. So verse 36 says, They worshipped their idols, which led to their downfall. So the children of Israel went from building a pile of stones after they crossed the Jordan, worshipping God, to now we're worshiping idols. It was a matter of time. The compromise led to a diversion of their attention from the true God to an idol. Now, we don't have idols per se, but we do have things that we idolize that become very important to us. But materialism, I think the God of this age is materialism. And and I, I really want to encourage you to see the things that you value and recognize that maybe some of them are idols. That's, that's the second thing that happens. The third effect, here it is, the family effect. And this is, this is the thing I want to wrap up because this is, this is something everyone here today who is a parent should feel deeply in their heart. It says they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. This didn't happen overnight, just gradually over time. They mingled, they compromised, it continued, and one day they were joining in with the idolatry and the human sacrifice of their own children. Now, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't see that happening in our country, human sacrifice, but in some ways, I say this gently and tenderly, but in some ways we do that with little babies that are still in the womb. We, we sacrifice them to our convenience because we say we have a right to end their life. And I think that right ended after you conceived. Before you conceived, you had a right. And if you're here today and have fallen for that, that lie, my heart goes out to you. God loves you. And you, you can be forgiven for anything. But you're never, you and I can never be forgiven until we recognize something is sin. You were lied to. And my heart breaks for you. Our world has lied to you. It's not a right. It's not a right over your own body. Your right over your own body was there until until conception. And then it became another soul, another person that God had breathed life into. And it was his right and his right alone to give them life or take that life. That's That's not under our responsibility. Now, here here is where it ultimately leads. Because you're probably not going to take a living child and throw them up on a molten hot iron altar 
and fillet your child alive. But do you realize when we compromise and we begin to get away from God and we do not finish what he started in our life, when we become hypocrites, when we begin to compromise, in a way we are sacrificing our kids because believe me, every kid is making up their mind. It's the reason I didn't get saved till I was 17. I was not a big fan of my father. That's kind of hard to say. But the things he was doing, his parenting styles, his anger, his wrath, he got saved before I did and I watched him and I was not a fan of him. But God saved him and changed him. And if he did not finished what God started in his life, quite frankly, he would have sacrificed me, his son, on an altar. And I would have been lost. And yes, God can reach out and save anyone through any family situation. Some of you are here as trophies to God's amazing grace. You've come out of hurtful, painful family homes. And I understand a little bit of that. I really, really do. But I, I want you to know Families, those of you who are right now, you, you are asking God to make your home a Christian family. Please don't give up on what God has started in your life. Growing spiritually, becoming more and more like Jesus is the greatest way to ensure the safety of your kids and their future. They need to know that God is real because you are real in your faith. And that's the coolest lesson when I come away from this. That is so super positive that we have a chance to affect the next generation if we will love them in the name of Jesus. There's no room for the anger. There's no room for the bitterness. There's no room for our kids to see in us anything less than Jesus. And yes, there are no perfect parents. We will all stumble and fall. But there's a profoundly important thing you can let them see when you do. And that is you get right with God and you tell them you're sorry too. And that will change your family. It is the greatest way to save them, to give them authentic Christianity seven days a week, three times a day when you meet and you eat. Let them see that God is real through your life. There's a last verse that I just finished with this. It's just a little bit lengthy, but I'll read it and we're done. So be very careful. Let's go down to Joshua 23. Be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instructions. Let me just kind of bring that forward. Be very careful to take God's word, to have a devotional time, to learn what God wants from you. Do, do not deviate from it, turning either to the right hand or the left hand. Make sure you do not associate with other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the name of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. Joshua said, where you are right now? Keep going forward. Keep getting closer to God. Separation from the world is really about getting closer to God. It's not about a list of things you can't do. It's about getting closer to God. And that, that is a powerful lesson that really is just wrapped up in this chapter, chapter number five. And it's something as I think of the bold crossings in life, it's one thing to have the faith to, to step across, go across on dry land. It's another thing to keep going and fight the battles God allows you to face every day of your life. Let's just keep pressing forward and finish what he started. Let's bow for prayer. Would you bow with me quietly? Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.
www.thepowerofpowerpoint.com.